Chris Williams. How are you? Hi, Kelly. How are you, buddy? It must be Sheena time. It certainly must be. Why I, else I'm, would I be up this early on a Saturday morning? And it's worth it. It's worth it. <laughs> worth every loss of sleep. <laughs> yeah, I could have used a little bit more sleep. I had a late night, went to see a comedy show. I must say, comedians are now becoming drag queens. They are starting extremely late. Uh-oh. They're trying yeah. to catch on the trend? Yeah. It was horrific. A 9.30 show didn't start till almost 11. Wow. So it went really long. Yeah. But how are you doing? I'm doing good. Yeah. yeah. Busy. We have a full harvest coming up with uh, my work. Um, so we have a farm, and uh, the agency is putting on their first fall harvest for the community. So that's been a lot of work by a lot of people. Looking good. forward to that. That's next weekend. And uh, and then I'll be doing a little Christmas song on uh, John Jesus' Christmas concert, December 1st at the Green Room in New York oh. City. Looking forward to that. That's really nice. I love the Green Room. Oh, yeah. you yeah. Have you played there? Yeah, I, No, I have not. No. No. It's, That's it's a big one, room, right? One of the few. Yeah. One of the few places you haven't played. I, I but, you know, I think the reason why is I don't think they have projection. Ah, okay. You know, and I think, but it's a beautiful room. I love that yeah. room. So what are you up to? I've been seeing a lot of uh, performance dates. Yeah, we, we've gone to Baltimore. Baltimore this weekend. We're doing three nights, Fifty Shades of Gay. Uh, wow. We're going to be at a theater called La Mundo, uh, Friday the 29th, Saturday the 30th, and Sunday we're doing a matinee. So this has to be up and ready by <laughs> early date. I don't know, but we'll do our best. Yeah. You know, you can have a lot of pressure. There's the, the Sheena fans are in full force with this release. Oh God. It's, it's going to be great. I'm so excited. I really can't even tell you, but before we even get into our guest, we're going to just say our show is sponsored by Uber lube. Yes. Uber lube, Uber lube.com. You can get all their fabulous products Shout out, they came out in droves to the Chicago show. They were ready to party and have a good time, so we're grateful that they were there. Had a blast. Nice. And if you have any questions, you know, in the future, you want advice from, you know, any of the doctors on this show, you can hit us up at events at hotmail.com or send us a DM at facebook.com loose lips the podcast and don't forget to subscribe to our youtube channel where you're going to catch this show on video and then you can listen to this i believe it's going to be released tonight or tomorrow on all the audio platforms that's awesome and i love uh, you and uh tim have been killing your podcast you're just getting better and better so keep uh, it up well, i we, we've got to talk with adam when he comes on too because we have some old school artists like one hit wonders that are from the eighties that are going to be coming on too. So oh, we're excited. Nice. Uh, but speaking of Adam, yes, our guest today is returning for the seventh time to discuss the ninth release of the cherry red RT industries. Sheena Easton reissue campaign, the vinyl and CD DVD of 1982's classic madness, money and music. I know I'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But we must not forget, outside of Sheena, 
Adam has interviewed the cream of the crop, like Mariah Carey, Diana Ross, Prince, Janet Jackson, Liza Minnelli, and Icavelli. And if he hasn't, we wonder why. Uh, among many others, and has major projects under his belt. You don't have to talk about what's under his belt, Ike. <laughs> Please welcome the incredible Adam Matera. Hello. Thanks for having me back again. Hi, Adam. What we have to tell you, it's exciting to have you back again. You are like up here. We have nobody that's even going to catch up to you as returning guests on Loose Lips. That's for sure. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but I have to tell you, got my vinyl copy. Yeah, it just came out tomorrow. Uh, yesterday. It just came out yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. And I Fantastic. haven't opened it. Oh, and you've got the CD, DVD, and the vinyl. Fantastic. Yes, and I'm opening it now. Ooh. And I cannot there it wait. Is. Here's the unwrapping, the unveiling. Oh, this is exactly how I remember. That side is, yeah. Yes. Oh, oh, look at that. Oh, my God. Look at that. Isn't that a great shot? Yeah, it is. Amazing. I don't feel really like that. that. Even though I was saying, Ike, even though that's not still not a representation i think of the album i think it's a better album cover far better album cover yeah oh, i agree isn't that a great show yeah, yeah. you know they might have even thought it was too similar to the first album just with a hat maybe but they cut on those first two albums it was kind of very similar yeah. consistency. Right? It, been quite, it might have been quite nice for the three of them to have that consistency right right Especially since they were all Chris Neal, right? Yeah, that is, the last one of the three. I'm telling you, Adam, exceptional. The color, the quality. My God, you really bring it back to life. So this is the inside booklet of the CD. And I was telling Ike that, Adam, your writing on the behind the scenes of this particular CD was the best so far. Oh, really? Oh, thank you. I mean, it's just amazing how much information you got from chris neal and the writers and we'll talk a little bit about that but uh if anyone you know i was even thinking adam when this is all said and done you could actually compile all of these liner notes together into a book yeah i mean maybe yeah possibly it really is such an interesting read just for pop fans in general you don't even have to be a sheena easton fan um, just to hear the process, the creative process, it's pretty cool. Can you actually go back to that booklet and go to the back cover picture that sure. was on the original album? Yes, because we do have we have a ton of questions, Adam, which is amazing. Uh, the back cover, yeah, that's not the back cover, I don't think. Oh no, is that's it? the inner, right? Yeah, that was that picture that you showed. That that was the inner sleeve of the American version, correct? Whereas yeah. the other saw the front and back with the inner sleeve of the Europe, the British and European version. Yes. And I love all the extra pictures. Uh, the other the, way around. Yeah, that. No, that was, I think it's. That was the I inner think, sleeve of the European version. Correct. Yes. But then the, open up to the one that was from the American version, the back cover of the album. Keep going. Oh, uh, with the. Uh, here it is. So there's a question from Kai from Santa Rosa, California. He says, can you yeah. shed light on the back cover? Doesn't seem to make any sense or relate to the music in any way. Was there a, a reason 
or a, a study group from EMI that determined they needed a picture of livestock with <laughs> sheet sales in the rural areas. Well, I did try and track down the donkey, but unfortunately, <laughs> his press people, he wasn't available. He he's, was, very, I, he's, he's huge in Israel, apparently. I actually do um, remember Sheena rude. talking about this in an interview, and it really was just... They were on the beach. Brian Aris, I think, took that photo. Yeah, and, Brian Aris, all those. And there was a donkey on the beach, and they actually just went over and got the donkey and took pictures with it. That was it. Isn't that the way? Yeah, I, I assume that shot. I don't know for sure, but I assume that shoot was done in Montserrat, where they recorded. recorded. The yes, mm-hmm. I believe that's they correct. The debut album as well, and this one. Um, it looks like that, doesn't it? So there's, there's, yeah. so there's a whole bunch of shots which are all that they used to use around with the hat, the hat pictures, but the, I think billboard or one of them called it the girl from Ipanema. Yeah, uh, that's right. <laughs> there was, and there's some other ones where she's like on a bamboo chair. There's a whole bunch of stuff. Um, yeah. There were actually some things. very beautiful, uh, sexy pictures for, for her, especially at that time that I thought would have been better again, better for a lot where she's, you know, she's in the water facing back. There's some of those pictures. Yeah. Um, yeah. Are you man enough? Cover photo. The, the, the one that we used to yes. cover. Yes. Yeah, with the sign of yeah. animal print. Yes. Yeah, that kind right. of thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. I don't. It. The, I don't know what the logic was behind the choice of the album shot, really, or the design either, because it, it's kind of you know, that kind of like inset. Right. Um, right. I don't know. It doesn't quite. To me, she always looks a little bit awkward on the cover, that kind of looking yeah. off to one side. Looks a little right. bit, but whatever. I mean, it's, I yeah. think it's the best album, and we talked about this before. I think it's it all weighing it all up. I think it's her best album. Be yeah, it, number one on my list for sure. Uh, just so eclectic, and and then of course, well, you know, before we even get to the tracks that are on there. Tell us how you found the songs, how they, they all came about, especially the, the unreleased tracks, which are golden. Well, I mean, that was what was really um, pleasing about this one, because it's relatively, I mean, the finding the album material, hunt, tracking down the masters for the albums isn't hard. Right. Isn't particularly hard. It's the unreleased stuff that, that has been fallen um, through the cracks and stuff. The one there's two songs that no one's ever heard until now on here. One is called Woman, mm-hmm. and one's called The Lonely Stay Alone. And the song, and often what happens is when you're looking at this vault, so basically there's, there's vaults in America and there's vaults in the UK. And maybe I, I don't think there's any else across the world that I'm unaware of. It seems unlikely because that's where she recorded those, you know, for those two countries. Mm-hmm. And I was looking through all the American log. So everything is logged, and there are thousands of entries. So a song like Modern Girl, there'll be about 50 entries for that. Wow. The different tapes it's on for the master, the two-inch master, the, the quarter-inch mix-down, the this, the that. And there'll be multiple copies. And often a song can be titled differently. For example, when I was doing um, – a private heaven the song hungry eyes also appeared as dark sunglasses and chinatown 
different yes. names, so working titles. Or sometimes people just they can't be bothered to write the whole title in the box, so I just put wind. Yeah. Because they can't be able to put, you know. Oh, yeah. So I so looking through all these things, there was just one. All, there wasn't any tube because there was just one thing, it just said woman on it. And I was like, what is that? That it must be one man woman. Ah, right. It must have just like mistitled it. But it might not be. But then the date of it didn't correspond to that. So I thought, well, why would there be this one thing? It's quite an expensive process to get something transferred because these tapes are very old. They have to be baked and, yep. and so on. It's expensive. It takes time. So you can't just say, oh, just bake everything and charge us $100,000. It'd be fine. It's yeah. not going to happen. So you have to be quite specific. So this one, I thought, okay, there's something here. So I got them to um, – uh, this is in America. I asked them to photograph the cut, the actual covers of the box, the physical okay. box, and you can see it on the inlay of the. Um, I re- they're reproduced on the inlay of the CD thing, actually. Yes. And so you can see that under one of them, it ha- has the original box, and uh, which is here. And um, yes. And yeah. You can't see very well there, though. It says "woman," and there are also two titles that have been crossed out. And two titles that are crossed out are tracks from the Man of Money and Music Sessions. Um, I can't read them right now because my glasses are on. But, <laughs> but it, it was like, okay, well, then this tape obviously was done in 1982. It was obviously recorded during the sessions of Man of Money and Music. I got the transfer. It turns out it's a completely different song. So a completely new song that, well, not new, but I, it could be unheard, unreleased song. Completely forgotten. When I played it to Chris Neal, he'd forgotten about it. The songwriter, Sue Quinn, who's the same uh-huh. uh, woman that wrote uh, Isn't It So on the previous album, yes. and Weekend in Paris on this album. She, I, I got in touch with her, and she remembered the song when they gave them the demo. The demo of Weekend in Paris went to uh, Chris Neal and Sheena. At the end of that demo, there was also this song, Woman, which Sheena did like. But as far as she never heard, she'd heard the feedback. She also really likes the song, Woman. But she never heard back about it and never so never assumed they never recorded it. But they did record it. So they recorded this song, Woman. Um, it's got these amazing layered background vocals on it, <sighs> which are Sheena and Chris and, and this singer called Sharon. I think she's called Sharon Campbell. Yeah, yes. she was one of the backing singers on, mm-hmm. on the debut album, um, as well. Um, and it's fantastic. I, yeah. I, I real find that one. It's amazing. The quality of it is so good. You kind of think, why on earth was this shelved? Well, that's what I was just gonna. We have two questions about this song, so I'll just jump in with the questions mm-hmm. from from Sheena fans. Mm-hmm. One is from Anthony from Australia. And he said he was curious how come Woman was not available on Sheena's Madness Money and Music original album. Did Chris ever specify like what the process of why they picked some songs for the albums and particularly why this one was left off? Yeah, I and mean, we did talk about that. And he couldn't specifically remember because I'm um, after it's 41 years ago. Yeah. To, 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 to the day almost it was released. Right. Yeah. Released in September 1982. So it's, you know, that's a long time. Yeah. So, uh, but I think when we talked about it, the, the, the probable, there were too many ballads for the album. They already had a lot of ballads. 
they were another yeah. ballad. And they had good ballads, do you know what I mean? We'll talk about it later on, but Wind Beneath the, My Wings, and In the Winter, um, I Wouldn't Beg for Water. I mean, there's so many great songs. Yeah. I mean, what, what song would you kick off to put it on? Um, I think that was the issue. Could have been a B-side, I suppose. Yeah. But they also had some great B-sides that are all on here. Um, so it just fell by the wayside. And I guess by the time it came to the next album, Sheena had totally moved on. She was working with America producers in America. So that it was something from the past and it was forgotten. Yeah. It just, yeah, just fell by the wayside. But that, yeah, there you go. And the other question was <laughs> from Andy Dremen in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. He said all of the Christopher Neal era tracks seem to have the same style of background vocals being dominantly male voices backing Sheena up. But on the newly discovered track Woman, background vocals are either Sheena herself or solely female voices, which I believe was a first. Does Adam have any insight into the change? Was he able to tell when in the timeline that Woman was recorded compared to all the other tracks in the album? And was it maybe something that was going to be saved for a fourth Christopher Neal album that would be going on for a different sound? I love the track, but it sounds like an outlier based on the background vocals alone. Oh, interesting. Um, well, we did talk about the background vocals. And like I just said, that, that this um, yeah. artist named Sharon Campbell was on there on the backgrounds. She'd also been on backgrounds before those. It wasn't always exclusively male, but jet, but you're, but um, you're absolutely right. That there, there was that male sound. And I can't remember what they called them. Chris did tell me they had a funny name for them. Um, <laughs> for the background singers. Um, a, a name they made up. It escapes me. Um, but yeah, that was a sound they had. And Chris Neal was often one of those singers. And I can't remember Alan, someone. Carvel. Alan Carvel. Mm -hmm. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Um, but there were female vocalists, female backgrounds as well. And when she toured live, there, yes. there was a, a woman whose name I forget that sung, uh, was a lead Jackie. singer. Jackie. Jack Attack. Jackie. Yeah. Um, Del Shannon or something? Was it? No. No, no, you're thinking of Jackie Del Shannon, I think. It was Jackie um, something, right? There was definitely one female backing vocalist on the, on the live yeah. tour. And this girl, Sharon, who sung on the records as well. But no, I don't think it was. Um, a different session thing. It wasn't, it was all part of the same sessions. It, I, it, I guess it was just a sound they wanted to go for. And so Chris got Sharon in to do the back, back backgrounds with him. Was it held back for another album? No, I, because I, I'm pretty sure at the time speaking to Chris, when they were doing this, their last album together, he spoke about there being a feat. I don't think they knew a hundred percent for sure. He didn't know, like it wasn't, they didn't go into it thinking it's the last album together. Right. But there was a feeling of, um, Change was in the air. Yeah. yeah. yeah but the, but the woman was greatly produced. I mean, my God, that the vocals were incredible and the lyrics literally told a story, which I loved. You know, it's, yeah. and I think at that time, because Bernadette Peters had a song out at one time called Other Lady. Oh, I love that song. You, me too. Isn't that incredible? Yeah, great album as well. Yeah. Oh, 100%. Love that one. And, um, it kind of gave me that vibe. It's telling a story about another woman and, and, and then the lonely stay alone. Now I, I kind of felt that maybe the album was going to go in a different direction when it first came out, because there were a lot of great rock anthems like madness, money and music, this track, which was omitted weekend in Paris. Uh, there were so many great madness, money and music. They were great. Very hard rock. I was wondering if she was going to go that way. I don't think so. No, I mean, when I don't think they thought of it that way, speaking to Chris about the selection of songs, 
it was more they were trying to cover all the bases or doing a bit of everything. So it wasn't like right. they conceived a rock album and changed their mind. I think they were just didn't really think of it that way. I know there, there was an yeah. awareness of the American market, which by that stage had become a thing. You know, the Amer- her British market was diminishing. It felt like people were, were losing interest. but And then it was all building in America. And so songs like There When I Needed You, Mm-hmm. Um, which has that very sort of um, um, AOR, almost like Doobie Brothers kind yeah, of. Yeah, like a mix of like rock and R&B, yeah. Yeah, it's fantastic. St- written by Steve Kipner, who wrote um, and, and I believe uh, Ray Parker Jr. Yes, that's right. He co-wrote on it, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's a, that's a great song. I mean, that's Yeah, cool. it was. And then You Do It which is the Deborah Allen song, which is like a country song, really, although it's not produced like a country song. So there were certain songs that were very American-sounding. There were other yeah. songs, the big ballads, which was obviously a mainstay of her appeal, and she was right. building um, an audience out of contemporary radio. And so a song like I Wouldn't Bed for, Beg for Water totally worked for that. Songs like Machinery, which was mm-hmm. trying to be a new wave, yeah. very of-the-moment sound. All these different things going on at once. So I don't think it was planned in any one thing and then swerved. I think it just was, let's just do everything and throw it all at the wall. Right. If you had to pick one song to omit and then one to add in from the, the unreleased tracks, which would it be? No. Well, I mean, there is, that, I think that's a problem. One, well, definitely the song to add in would be the, the best of the better of the two songs, in my opinion, is Woman. I yeah. do think the Lonely Stay Alone is a nice, is a, is a good song. It's nice hearing that. To me, that sounds more like a, it could have been a B side. Right. Not that it's not bad. It's not bad. It is written by Phil Palmer, who was a guitarist. He also wrote a song called Right or Wrong, which was another yeah. B side. Very much in mm-hmm. a similar mode. It's very, um, the mid-tempo sort of soft rocky it's nice it's nice, it's nice. i don't think it is it, it, i don't think it's better than any whereas woman what song would go i mean what's i i have my own what's your yeah. yeah i would i would have omitted either are you man enough i was gonna say maybe are you man enough or yeah. in the winter and probably right. probably right. yeah because I just feel it would have fit the album better. I like in the winter, but I just feel like, you know, I think you hit a good point, Adam, with this album. Like to me, I always say this is like the, for me, the first Sheena Easton album in the sense of she became a fully formed artist with this album. And you, you talked about it in your liner notes that Chris Neal was aware that now he was almost like, just the producer in the sense whereas the first two albums his role was really to sift through songs and now he was saying she was bringing songs to me like she was you know picking and good songs right and i think they really just picked the best songs that they liked and produced them in a way that it was cohesive but you know also the vocals were right up front which i think was a became a a trademark of sheena easton albums where the production wasn't overwhelming the vocal the vocal was always front and center and more so than on the first two albums the first two albums are good but they're an artist and a producer trying to figure out who this artist is and i think the third album you really got a sense of 
who it she was there. and what she liked. And that's why, as Ike was saying, there's this unique balance of like adult contemporary style pop music with ballads and then these rockers that really I think she really loved to do. And yeah. uh, and also I think they they kept in mind that she was going to be doing her first world tour and Absolutely. they needed some energy in that mm-hmm. in those songs as well. Absolutely. So I think that played a factor. But yeah, I would have I would have done a few things different. You know, it's always hindsight, but I wouldn't have released Machinery as a single. I think that he was right. Chris Neal, he said it was very British and very new wave and they weren't ready for a Sheena Easton new wave single. And I think they should have started with uh, There Where When I Needed You as the first single. I would have went with that. Then I would have went with I Wouldn't Beg for Water. And then I would have went with You Do It. And I think that would have been a much better U.S. single strategy. I'm not sure that anything would have worked in the U.K. at this point. but I would have personally omitted Machinery and opened with The Lonely Stay Alone as you know because it was very like energetic and then the second side would have been madness money and music here right and then that's another big hard rocker but i i don't think machinery for me personally didn't fit in with the the whole mix well it's it's i i think machinery yeah i i agree machinery does not fit in there's any way it doesn't it sounds completely different every else on the album Mm -hmm. and it's a one-off yeah when um in the line notes that you just alluded to, Chris, well, we talked about with Chris. It was kind of like when they did it, they made it as a kind of. Well, he said it was almost like a tongue-in-cheek, like a parody. Almost they would do it. Were, Let's try and do this crazy new wave track. I think it's really fun. I think it's one of her, her best. Yeah, um, yeah. It's one I of my favorite it. singles of her. Does it fit with the album? No, but I think the point. One of the points that Chris discussed in uh, Chris Neal talked about in the line notes was it was maybe a step too far for her audience who mm. people start relating to an artist as a certain thing. She's a girl that sings this like perky pop tunes, like um, mm. nine to five. And um, I don't, I don't even think, I think they, the record company actually went, especially on the American side, went too far with trying to build her as an adult contemporary artist. I mean, after modern girl, it was all ballads. And sure. and she was on all these talk shows singing mostly ballads. So I think it was a shock to like hear it became like almost like she's trying too hard, you know, right. and, and even though she completely nailed it performance wise. And I think uh, Chris was right. If it was a new artist, it would have been a hit. Um, I think that, you know, people like to put people in boxes. And so now you hear this song. And it's like, what is this? Sheena Easton, she's the ballader, you know, like, yeah. and they had a hard time with getting her out of that. I think Telephone was the song that finally started to get people to That's see that true. she could do up-tempo songs, you know? It's interesting because that makes you, re- it really makes you realize how much someone's career is, um, the perception of someone is, is, shift, is shaped by mm. those marketing choices, which she had nothing to do, well, no. I think she had some say, but it certainly wasn't all, it wasn't all chosen by her. So she's recording these songs that are a bit country, songs that are completely rock. And all these things, the public, unless they were listening intently to her albums, which isn't the majority of people, would have no idea that she right. was doing all these things, you know? Yeah. Um, so 
she becomes perceived as a certain thing when she's not just one thing at all. And this album shows that really well, I think. Um, yeah. So we, although it is, we were saying, you know, arguably her best album, mm-hmm. representing her as an artist and the range of what she can do and her voc- vocally show- vocal showcase, it was her least selling yeah. album. It was her lowest selling album of that initial run of her big success from that 10 year period, really. Uh, from her debut to what comes naturally. This one was the lowest. Su- well, I don't know about the Spanish album, maybe the Spanish album, but that wasn't released everywhere. Right. Or oh, No Sound But a Heart wasn't released everywhere. So I'm not including those. But in terms of the others, um, Man's Money Music, it, it underperformed. I think it was it was a big album in Japan, actually, but everywhere else, it, it didn't really perform that well. And so it's interesting to as to why that was. And I think it's a big part of it, exactly what you're talking about, is she became perceived in a certain way. She had kind of been painted into a corner, maybe. They, mm. they, they did single releases that didn't really make sense or confuse people, like Machinery, or... Yeah tried to retread the pot like are you man enough the second bridget uk single was a very felt like a very i don't mind that song i think it's a good song i think it's great live when she did it on the, the yes live. but um it felt like a safe bet mm-hmm. they were just like that's that's a, that's very like we, we've heard her do that kind of thing before let's do it again um <laughs> Uh, that, but but I wouldn't apart from, I wouldn't beg for what was a great song and a great oh album. god yeah and I think like I said Are You Man Enough they probably included for her fans that you know from the first two albums to include yeah. some poppy and a little sticky but um, we have a great question from Kay and I I like the little behind the scenes thing sometimes like he said there is an airport sound on the beginning of weekend in Paris was yeah. it taped in Paris at the airport it reminded uh him of the 1985 song bon voyage by kim Carnes, where they actually had the original sounds from the airport in paris oh well i didn't ask chris neal where they taped the airport sound <laughs> annoyingly now i'm kicking adam <laughs> yeah, yeah. that's it i'm just gonna rip the thing up and start again no um <laughs> I failed. i'm sorry i failed you uh, I don't know if it was in Paris. That I don't know. I did ask about that because it's the opening track of the album. I don't, it wasn't in America because it was re- it was um, two tracks were cut, uh, edited out, and it was resequenced. But in, on the as it's meant to be for the the real the, the um, full length album, it was the opening album. So it opens with this sound, and I think part of that was when I discussed it with Chris was that. They wanted to give that feel of like she was now an international artist. She was in airports all the time. She yeah. was traveling from one capital to another, doing shows, yeah. and, which is part mm. of that Madness Money music thing and Weekend in Paris. So it, ta- it and the idea of being a weekend in Paris, it fits in well with the lyric. You know, she's flown over a weekend in Paris. Um, so that I think it's a brilliant it, when it works as a brilliant album opener. But oh. I don't know if it was specifically recorded in Paris. Or not. Wouldn't it, wouldn't it be funny if it was taped in her backyard? <laughs> <laughs> I could tell you um, the applause that's captured on Madness, Money, and Music is yeah. from a U.S. radio broadcast that she had done. For I believe it was she was opening, and they play the the music for a few eyes only. I think as the opening sequence, and then I think it goes into Prisoner, but when she appears on stage, that burst of audience applause, that it's the same exact 
So they must have just edited that from that radio broadcast and put it, it into the oh, really? madness money. Yeah, San so that's Diego, an right? Fan, what say that? I San Diego, wasn't it that concert? Yeah, San Diego. That's it. Yeah. Oh yeah, I know the what. Yes. Oh, I didn't. I mean, I knew it wasn't recorded live, obviously, and it would have been put on to give it that sort of stadium feel. But I didn't know where exactly it come from. That's interesting. Yeah. So but, that's on the two, the two opening tracks on each side. Basically, they had these little kind of extra. Yeah audio things going on mm -hmm. to give it that a feel so it was, you know it was, it was, it was well conceived in that way very on feel and I, I i do love the the madness money music because it did sound it when she starts singing it did sound like it was a live performance because yeah was, the production was incredible yeah like a jim jim steinman production almost mm -hmm. you know yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. God. it would have been great if, if she had recorded with jim steinman. oh yeah that would have been awesome yeah, I know, you know i do think that she would have I don't. I understand why Chris was saying he felt a change within the air. She was living now, I think, at that point, or at least going to be living in America. She was spending yeah. most of her time there. She was hearing more American music. Yeah. I, I could understand that, you know, him feeling that way. But I think if the album had been successful, I doubt they would have broken up that pair because I think they liked working with each other. They and, definitely like working together. Yeah. Yeah. I think it just was the combination of the shift in the marketing and and her, you know, realizing that maybe that 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 was an you know the the end of an era for them, and it was time yeah. for her to to try a different sound. You know, especially if she was going to be marketing to an American audience, because his productions were rooted in um, at that time, you know, UK trends. Yeah, although I do think like songs like There When I Needed You and You Do It, you know, those kind of songs productions, the more American-leaning stuff were very well done and could have worked. Oh, absolutely. The right way. I think there's different things. Going. Yeah, there's that fact that she was kind of, her career was exploded. It was mm -hmm. on a trajectory upwards in, in, in America, and it made sense to be there. And she was starting to have relationships there with people and, you know, live, living there. So there was that element. And the fact that Chris just had to keep flying over, there was a lot of oh, that was yeah, that was with, crazy. Uh, yeah, with Chris, a producer, and her manager being in one country and her being in a different country, it just became really difficult. They were and meeting in New York just to have meetings. Yeah, you'd fly over to just yeah, yeah have a and play some songs. Crazy. Nuts. They, could, they couldn't Skype each other. Do you know what I mean? It was a different. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Oh my god, it's true. And the time difference would have been really. Mm -hmm. and difficult to deal with and all that sort of stuff um and there was also the fact that music was changing as well so that when um which is kind of what machinery was trying to was touching on was there was this whole new wave coming a different sound so the kind of sound that she had built on those first couple of albums with chris it was she was in danger of becoming That's, old, uh, out of fashion, you know, yeah. from the mm -hmm. past, like a different era. Things have to move on. So, yeah. the, so, and I think that's one of the reasons, perhaps, why this album commercially was a commercial dip, because it almost seemed. I mean, she was only twenty three. Twenty three, yeah. Twenty three, but she seemed a lot older. On the, the kind of material she was doing here, felt like a much older artist. Whereas there was all, you know, Soft Cell, The Human League, all these new wave, new romantic, all that kind mm -hmm. of music which was being hammered on the radio was capturing people's imaginations. She was really not part of that. 
and no. she's hearing she's in the US most of the time so she's hearing these aggressive pop sounds by Laura Branigan, yes. Tony Basil and you know I think she smartly was realizing I'm a little, you know, if I'm going to be this is my market, I have to start to get a sound that's a little more uh, yeah, even Olivia Newton-John, she was doing Heart Attack and, you right. know, tied up with, with a different sound for her as well. And Absolutely. And when you when you think of the artists that were big, at the, that, that she would have been pitched to get, competed against, the other female artists, those names, Olivia, Pat Benatar as well, Laura Branigan, these were the people that were having hits. And you can hear at different stages in her career how there was an ear going to this to think, let me do something in that mode. Right. She was very much a sort of um, quite chameleonic, I suppose, in the way mm. that she shaped and shifted over. She was a commercial star. She would do music that was, it wasn't about, um, yeah, she had a mind to what would be played on the radio. How can, you know, that was her thing. And she yeah. could do it very well. And she could shift into these different forms really well and do a big ballad and do a rock song, and do an electro pop thing like a, mm. you know, a telephone. Yeah. really convincingly not a lot of song singers can do that i think that's why this album for me because i almost feel like um there's an innocence in the sense of an artist just who had this amazing success going in and and making an album they just want to make i think that's what this album was for me and that's why it's so good because it yeah. is so diverse and it mm -hmm. reflects all the different she talks about all her different um you know interests in music from having you know five brothers and sisters or six brothers uh five brothers and sisters and and hearing all these different and you hear that the only other album i think that's more reflective of her is home um oh, yeah. which yeah. is another it's i always alternate between this and home as my favorite yeah. but but um, I feel like Madness Money and Music is still like top notch, you know, when you're hearing like every different song and, and Home was great, but it was like such two decades almost already at that point, you know, but the Madness Money and Music, like I'm surprised, Chris, too, you saying you would have omitted In the Winter. It was In the Winter for me that I'm like, oh, my God, hearing her interpretation of somebody else's song and I couldn't wait. And then A Private Heaven. Uh, was a um, love and affection, love and affection, and my God, and I hate that I loved it better than Jones. It was just unbelievable. Well, it shows you the quality of this album because you're right. I mean, in the winter would be definitely would be probably my choice of omission, but yeah. but wow, you know, like that would yeah. be a song that you would omit. That's how good these songs were. This yeah. this collection of songs is just so strong, and the production. And mm -hmm. her vocals, you know, and Chris, um, I, Chris said in the uh, interview with Adam that, you know, Wind Beneath My Wings has been recorded by everyone almost. And yeah. his favorite version is still their version. And it, he said, and that's not because of me, that's because of her vocal. Yeah. It's like she just sang it so, wow. so great, you know? Yeah. Uh, th I mean, those songs being you were saying about how it feels like, like a real personal thing for her. I think that in particular in the winter and wind beneath my wings, the ballads on this album are like the heart of the record in a way and really do reflect her in the winter. Janice Ian song. That was the first, one of the first times that she had kind of brought a song to right. 
the table because you love Janicea. Yeah. And it and um, if you've a, it's a very different approach to Janicean's a completely different. I mean, it's a great, amazing version. Janice's version, I love her version. Sheena brings it into a much more sort of like a dramatic. Um, I mean, I always say Streisand-esque, but you can't help but but of course Harrison because yeah. of the way she sings it. And it's it's an incredible showcase for her and what she can mm. do. It's I, I mean, and with other songs have been like um, when he shines and stuff on other albums. Isn't it so? But this is it takes it slightly different level, I think. It's yeah, and, and her interpretation of it because back in 1982 it was before Madness Money Music even came out, and she started singing the song in concert. And my friend and I looked, we were like, "That's a Janice Ian song," and then we're we were blown away, and we're like, we're wondering if she was going to include it on the album, and and when she did, but the live performances, oh, amazing. Yeah, insane. you captured that on uh, Live at the Hollywood Palace with just yes. the spotlight on her and sitting on the chair with yeah. just the keyboardist. She also did um, an, uh, a version. She covered that recently, like within the last 10 years. She was performing it for a few years during her live set. Oh, really? And it was a completely different take. It was so interesting because, oh yeah, you know, the, the, the recorded version, I think, captures the heartbreak of that from a younger person's perspective but when she sang it live it was like there was like other layers to the performance it was you know a bit of resentment a bit of bitterness like you felt all these different things that only you experience i think as you get older and she just her voice you know was just fuller you know and it had a fuller thicker sound to it it was it was and much more theatrical if you can believe it or not it it was almost like something from a broadway play wow yeah well, that's a sign of a real singer who can do that, who can in- interpret a lyric and mm. really bring it to life and invest it with emotion. You know, there's lots of great pop singers, but they don't necessarily have the ability to do that. It's a particular kind of talent to be yeah. able to do that, you know. I mean, yeah. I know, I was going to pick, I'm not going to pick someone say, well, so and so couldn't do it, but Sheena can do it. Yeah. yeah. And when, you know what would be a great project you know from a fan's perspective anything obviously i always want a sheena easton christmas album right but it would be amazing to hear her re-record some of these ballads that have lyrics that really would benefit from having someone who has much more experience now you know that she sang them all perfectly but there there was an innocence to some of those performances that make it you know very special in of itself but like you ever hear Joni mitchell she did both sides now obviously the oh, original yes. and then she re-recorded it 30 yeah. years later with this different voice and and the lyrics just took on a whole different depth and yeah. i always feel like the the songs that sheena recorded that she gravitated to were so emotional the lyrics that it would be interesting to hear her take on them now you know yeah yeah i can't wait for machinery 2020 <laughs> maybe not that one yeah, yeah yeah we'll leave that one yeah that's, that's like, i would love to hear her sing both sides now that should have been on home oh yeah that would have been great well she hasn't done it jo- well she knows she has done a Johnny mitchell of course she has she did raised yeah. on robbery yeah. Raised, yeah raised on robbery raised on robbery 
Yeah, yeah. Did. she never recorded it. We never did a studio version. Yeah, because yeah. she loves that. So she loves those um seventies wow. female, you know, Janice and yeah, journal yeah. trading. She loves that stuff. Too. Even that. See, if yeah. I listen, if I win the Mega Million, I'm gonna pay for all these projects to get done by her. Do it. Uh, but, I'm gonna do a singer-songwriter '70s covers album. Wouldn't that's, that be great? That's a brilliant idea. Yeah, and I suppose yeah. Ricky Martin will be knocking on my door too, Chris. Right? <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Just for wings. you, wrapped in red ribbons. <laughs> Before we move on from "One Beneath My Wings," I just want to talk about that for a little bit because I think one thing is interesting about that song: a, why the hell they didn't put it out as a single is nuts. Right. Considering she was one of the first people to record it. There's a lot of talk about this, like since it um, online, I've seen people talking about this, like, oh, who was the first recording? Blah blah blah. It's a real, um, uh, it's just like hers wasn't the first to come out. Roger Whittaker's yeah. came out first. There was another artist recorded as well. But what's interesting is when they found the song, when Chris got the song, as far as they were concerned, they were going to sing it as an exclusive. They were recording it. They were the first to record it, and wow. they were they did they said they. Asked for it to be it's, it, it, we talk, it's in the in the liner notes the um, quote I can't exactly put it but basically they were doing it as an as a you know an exclusive and I think that the unwritten rule at the time was like if you take a song the the, the the publishers and the songwriters don't simultaneously give it to ten other people but they did um give it to, other people did have it to record so sheena's wasn't the very first to come out but the earlier uh, so the one that i think had a degree of awareness was roger whittaker's it wasn't huge sheena did it over the years after that different people recorded it had hits with it gladys knight had a decent size hit with it lou rolls had a decent size hit with it mm. seven years later so that's quite a while later Bet Midler records it for Beaches. Obviously, it becomes an international hit, and yeah. now everyone knows it for. But the song itself, the fact that so many people recorded it, the fact that it's like so immediate and the lyric is so um, poignant, and uh, I mean, it's just one of those songs that yeah. there's a reason a song becomes a song like that. Yeah, 100%. And I think that EMI missed a trick by not mm-hmm. realizing that and putting it out because you know it's kind of standard, basically, isn't it? Yeah. There's a radio interview with her at that time. She talks about how she found that song, and she actually found that song and brought it to Chris Neal. Right. She, she found it in a box of songs. I think she was in EMI, maybe in the UK, but and there was a box of songs that were going uh, to Cliff Richard. And, oh, really? Okay, yeah, know. and the that song happened to be playing, and she said in the interview that she i think it's online somewhere she lifted it from the box and brought it to chris neal and then she said in the interview thank you cliff and she said he would have she goes she doesn't feel bad about it because he would have done the same exact thing to her if he had heard that song so and and there was also a question a couple of years after that from a fan who said why wasn't that released as a single and she said it was being discussed to be released as the third single because around that time we've got tonight came out and thankfully kept her name in the the market. She had a network TV special. She was doing a lot of promo. So she started singing it on Merv Griffin, the tonight show and the record company was considering releasing it as a single. But I think what probably went through their minds is, 
we can't do another ballad. We yeah. have to hold off. Let's get you in the studio and let's get an up-tempo single out there, which I think was smart. I mean, missed opportunity maybe, but it would have been really hard to break a ballad single from her as a third single from an album that already had two singles that didn't reach their potential. So I think they probably just said, let's just move on to the next one. I mean, it was, yeah. I mean, there was no point in putting a third single out in Britain. I mean, that's right. Right. Exactly. Or the U S at that point. I mean, maybe they could have built on we've got tonight, but it's still even hard to do that. Sure. I mean, they could maybe have put wind beneath my wings out instead of, I wouldn't beg for water. See. Yeah. Um, Right. Right. I mean, that's a great song as well. But um, yeah. that's the thing. She had lots of great ballads at the time. It just feels like it's a a classic recording by Sheena that people just don't know. Yes. Most yeah. people don't know about it. It feels like there's something that's slightly, something has gone slightly amiss there in the planning. Something. Yeah. yeah. I, but I it love- also shows you that she had a knack for hearing. I mean, if you pick that song and you realize this is what, that shows that you have a sense of what, people will respond to emotionally you know a good song she was ahead of she was ahead of it mike Mike, i love bet midler's version i love her take on it but i even like better than the 82 version sheena's live 1989 version of it because she did it like with an r&b little feel to it and the vocals are ridiculous ridiculous oh wow you can check that on youtube there's uh there's a couple of live performances. There's one from I think '92, also from Di- from Florida. It's amazing. Just and you're right. It's like an R&B arrangement almost, right? Yeah, unbelievable. Yeah, amazing. So when you're going into this, Adam, like when you're finding these songs in the vault, how badly do you want to go out and just shout to the world and play the songs for them when you're hearing them for the first time? Like "Woman," when you hear it, and her vocals are like perfection. <laughs> yeah well i know it's kind of like yeah i mean woman in particular I've, i think everything i found so far was the most exciting to find because it was kind of a totally unknown thing that just appeared out of nowhere seemingly yeah um but yeah it's great to get it finally out there it's it's, it's nice to um you know that like the songwriter sue quinn you know gets to hear it as well and people like that i i yeah so it's it's very rewarding in that way finding the unreleased stuff yeah it's fantastic no completely so we, we do have another question from i want to say petros who's been amazing he's a big sheena fan yeah uh he's excited for the madness money music release but he wants to know if you're going to be putting your magic touch on best kept secret and no sound but a heart um well everything will come out eventually so all all, all her emi catalog will be remastered and re-released uh on you know we're doing the vinyl releases the colored vinyl releases and we're also doing several cd i think but not everything will be there will be a box set at the end with everything but this these standalone deluxe editions as we call them the two disc ones are only really going to be well, only going to be done for the ones where there's enough material to do that. So, okay. Uh, uh, it's about finding the material. So with this, with Man's Money Music, there was there was a lot of stuff in this era. There was that fantastic TV special Act One, the mm-hmm. three videos, bonus material. So it perfectly works perfectly well. What I want to do is like stretch it out and just have like we won't do a single disc release for these things. So there needs to be enough material. 
there isn't enough material for best kept secret, unfortunately, yeah. um, to do that treatment. I mean, there's like what two videos, two promotional videos, three, I suppose, if you put um, we've got tonight on it, which isn't really enough. You can't really warrant doing a DVD for three videos. Um, yes, there are TV appearances and other stuff like that, but that's one matter of finding clearances, and that's not possible. Um, I've tried, so um, it won't. There won't be for this one. Uh, for um, sorry, for best kept secret, and we'll see what happens with the others. Because, um, but everything will come out that can come out. Everything will come out one way or the yeah. other. And and we will be seeing a private heaven on vinyl. You said right? Yes, we will be seeing a private heaven on vinyl. Absolutely. At the moment, I'm de- uh, there's a bit of a question about whether it will be a single vinyl because it could be a double vinyl, right? Um, so I'm not, there's enough material for it to be a double vinyl. Sure. That's, that's, we're going into the era where there are mixes. And right. there are also some sort of uh, mixes I found since doing the deluxe version, some other stuff I found. Oh. Which could go on there. Would, so, that, would that other stuff you found make it to the box set? Uh, would it make the box set? Uh, might do. I don't know yet. It will come out one way or the other. Okay. So it could well do, yeah. Uh, yeah. So what, yeah, we'll see. Um, there's also, I know fans have been asking about the digital releases, but I guess, is there any update on that? Uh, I don't have an update on that. I know at one point we were talking about there possibly being uh, something that hasn't happened. So um, there's no point in me talking about it. But no, I don't know what's going to happen yet. For the last one. Um, the only one so far was uh, Live at the Hollywood Palace. That's they right, were, which came yeah. out almost simultaneously. Oh, and they also did release uh, probably a year after it came out, the, the uh, singles. singles came yeah. Out, didn't, yeah uh, um, early this year, I guess it would have been. Yeah. Um, so this really should. There's no reason why it shouldn't. But um, I'm not in control of that side. I, I don't really. I'm not involved in that side of things in terms of digital stuff. So we'll see. I imagine it will. Okay. And now the Spanish album will that yes. be in the box set as well? Or I think yeah. we did talk about that. Yeah, the Spanish album will. Yeah, everything will be in the box. All, all the albums will be included in the box set. All the albums Sweet. and more. That's that's a little of what a bit of a way away. So it's hard for me to just be definitive about what exactly it is because everything has to be cleared. Uh, unreleased material has to be approved by Sheena. So I can't say for sure what will definitely be happening. In I had a question right. from Joe M. He was asking about the Spanish album being released as part of this campaign. And also, mm-hmm. is there any chance of the big time documentary being issued as part of the box set? Mm-hmm. Thank you. Um, and she said, uh, firstly, thanks to Adam. He said, firstly, thanks to Adam and everything at Cherry Records for Madness, Money, and Music. It's a brilliant reissue as usual. Mm-hmm. Oh, thank you. Uh, well, uh, the big time, unfortunately, no. That, that were, I was trying to get that to be on Take My Time Deluxe, actually, at one point. And yeah. there were, for various reasons, it couldn't happen. So that one will not happen. No. There is a tiny little excerpt of the big time that appears in Act One. So yes, yes. Feelings for approximately forty seconds. And uh, can we talk about Act One for a second? Because it's oh. 
such a special release and to finally have it on DVD is amazing. It's a classic variety TV special. It's probably one of the last of its kind um, in the U.S. They used to make these formatted variety specials uh, throughout the 70s, really, yeah. and, and iconic format of like a little storyline. Uh, this one is a particular one where Sheena is walking after taping some and something happens. And so she walks around the set of the tonight show and, uh, brilliantly imitates an American accent, uh, as Johnny Carson interviewing herself, going back and forth from American to Scottish accents. And then, uh, vignettes of themed music interludes, uh, including guest stars, Al Jarreau and Kenny Rogers and an appearance by Johnny Carson himself at the end. Mm -hmm. It's just, uh, it's an amazing special. She, her performances in it are brilliant, all live, captured live with orchestration and arrangements by Peter Matz, who had done uh, the original Barbara Streisand uh, special. So I'm sure that was a thrill for her. And uh, and I think it was directed by the same person as well. Dwight, Dwight Hemian, um, yeah. Yes. And the, it won six Emmys or was nominated for six Emmys and won three of them. And uh, it's just a... a really shows someone again it's unbelievable to me when i watch that 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 was someone who was unknown two years prior it's, yeah. it's the performances are someone who's like a vet polished just yes. and banging those out she probably recorded that literally within a few days i'm sure and yeah. uh it's just it's a great tv special it's a little campy at times but uh fun and after that, the TV specials by music artists were really just people getting up and singing together. There really wasn't that format of trying to inject some comedy in and some little bits. Yeah. And she pulls it off just on yeah. everything she does. She does a little girl group thing where she takes on mm -hmm. the character roles of the you know stereotypical girl group personalities, yeah. and she does that brilliantly. It's uh. It really yeah. is a tour de force performance. The, the opener alone is just incredible. That the song for you. Oh, and it just gave me Streisand from the first time I heard it, the belting, the confidence it, she owned it. She owned that yeah. song outright. What she does, it's very unusual, which, which would never happen today because I think it would tie in and be thought through as a kind of you know, product is that she's doing songs as they would in the TV specials you refer to, like it, it, of the 70s and 60s, songs that weren't from a current album. She's doing a cover version of the song for you. She's doing mm -hmm. He's a Rebel. Um, Out Here on My Own, The Entertainer. Oh, another one. Yeah, great performance. She does a Billy Joel song. She does yeah. a, The, the Entertainer. Yeah. Um, so she has this really sort of wide, again, another wide range thing. She's doing rock. She's singing kind of jazzy kind of ballad last night at dance land with, um, yes, yeah. all these different things and pulling them all off. Some of the outfits are a little bit dubious, possibly one might say, looking at it through <laughs> our contemporary eyes. Yeah. Like, okay, maybe yeah. too many thrills there. Yeah. But, um, the blue spandex pants. You didn't like those, <laughs> <laughs> but it's great. It's great to have it. As a as a fan of her voice, I mean, yeah. you have to listen to this because it's like she's doing these other songs that you've never would never hear otherwise. Yeah, and we thank you, Adam, because I've been waiting for this to come out for years, like high quality. So I'm so excited for it. 
yeah, it was quite difficult to get that, that from that side of things. It was quite a um, took quite a bit of work to get the best quality possible because, of course, it was filmed on video. Right. So you're ne- it wasn't filmed on film. So you right. don't you could oh, there's only uh, as there's only a certain level of quality you can get absolutely. to with that. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. But just sure. a little side note. Peter Matz produced Barbara's first three albums before she branched off on her fourth one. Do I see a comparison with Sheena? <laughs> <laughs> so Peter Matz did um, the first three Barbara albums. I didn't, yeah. I didn't actually know if I knew that. I knew mm-hmm. he had done a lot of stuff with her. I didn't know the other. Yeah. yeah, and he did that as well. Yeah, he did her first uh, couple specials. I wonder if Sheena actually specifically requested them. I wouldn't be surprised yeah. if he did. I would love to know yeah. that. I'm certain that this was all her, upon her request. I mean, there's just yeah. too many things. Even the song selections, those are all artists that she noted that she loved. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I, I'm sure that she was, you know, which again, someone at the age of 23 with the pressure of doing a network TV special would probably give over a lot of those decisions to someone else just because of the pressure of like, I want to make sure I get this right. But this was, you know, I'm sure, listen, these were all very creative people that had input without no doubt, but she picked them and I'm mm-hmm. certain that she picked the song list and, right. uh, you know, it just shows you that she was, you know, a lot of people have this misconception about pop, especially female pop vocalists, that they're just like puppets of producers and uh, you know, and, and managers. And that was not who this person was. She was, you know, having input in every single aspect of her career. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm really, I'm really like when, when I spoke to um, her musical director, Jeff Carpenter, uh, you know, he talked about how she would be, you know, she would get when they went to rehearsals for um, the tour, she would arrive before the band and she would have opinions on, you know, and which some people I think rubbed some people off the wrong way, especially at that time when there was certain, the men in the band were used to it a certain way and they weren't expecting the girl singer in inverted right. to have an opinion. Exactly. What are you talking mm-hmm. about? But she did have opinions. She did have a voice, which probably, you know, which wasn't difficult. was probably maybe a bit difficult with their egos at the time sometimes. That's the impression yeah. I got anyway. Um, but it's because she knew what she wanted. She had a real musical ear and she had that talent. And of course, and it's hard. I think it still is hard now. It, it was would have been even harder then, as a young woman in an industry run by men who are a lot older, to make your voice heard. But right. she did. Yeah, yeah, she did a great job at it. Yeah, absolutely. But, but I think that with Act One, it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Like now, it's money music. But I think in the same way, it was just as we were talking. Then I was thinking, you know, she's working with Peter Matz, who's who was somebody uh, who had been working with Barbara Streisand twenty years ago. 20 years earlier, basically. Yeah, yeah. Um, so there was a sense in which, as accomplished and polished as this was, it was out of step yeah. with, which is which is what they corrected on the next project. Yes, you know, it, right. it was like she was. You know, Even the you're right. You're a hundred percent right. Even the variety format that they used for this was, you know, it was right. dated. It was there. There was a reason why it was one of the last TV specials yeah. that had this format and this was a presentation of a, an artist for adults. I remember my friend's yes. mother 
watching the TV special and loving Sheena Easton after that. And then she yeah. wanted me to tape the next album. And she yeah. was a little disappointed because it was more, you know, like pop rock stuff. And so mm -hmm. she was expecting that singer that she saw on the TV special to sing like, you know, these arrangements by Peter Matz and familiar songs. And it was more, you know, a little more rocky. So, yes. So that's yes, exactly. So her doing out here on my own or whatever, or um, with me, isn't going to get onto heavy rotation onto MTV. Right. But yeah. telephone is. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, right. Commercial versus artistic, or something both. I'm not saying like what you have to sacrifice one for the other, but that's mm -hmm. there's a, that constant balance that is being. But what an uphill climb after you know Madness Money Music, Best Kept Secret, then a Private Heaven, and just yeah, kept going up. Yes, yeah, and worked with the better, and she always worked with such a great people. You know, she really yeah, did. yeah. So we have one at to close up the whole Sheena discussion. We have one more question from Nikki who says it's a little disappointing that Sheena has not done anything to promote the re-release campaign. It would be great to see her sing one or two of the unreleased songs at her shows. Um, yeah, I guess it would be. I mean, I, I think that would be quite a, I don't know. Sheena has her own band and they're doing their own things. I don't know whether she'd want to kind of, maybe she would. I don't know. I don't know. I would to love to hear her sing Woman. Yeah, it'd be great to hear her sing it, yeah. Yeah, it's hard. You know, I can imagine that at this point, when you get to this point in your career, you pro it's probably hard to, like, balance that, what your fans want to what you have to do for just to sustain gigs with people that are coming in Absolutely. that are not familiar with your album tracks. Yeah, so, I mean, there are people a lot of her, there, yeah, there are t at least there are tens uh, at least there's seven or eight songs that she has to do yeah and then she does like covers of songs that people are familiar with that she knows the audience that's coming to see her because you know i we've all been to those concerts where artists do maybe their new album that you don't know one song from and it's just awful to be yeah. at the mercy of what they want they themselves to do it's a balance um <laughs> she did i did remember that was it i think it was during a question and answer or something recently where she did promote the live at the hollywood palace release which is that's unusual she that's usually right. never mentions anything about upcoming things but she must have been excited about it because she did say that they were going to release the the dvd and cd of that so yeah um that's good yeah so maybe in her next letter to the fans she'll say something about it yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll have to wait and see. I'm not, yeah, yeah. We need to, we're going to do an interview with her. We're going to bring you on, Adam. <laughs> Surprise guest. That would be fun. Yeah. Well, I'm going to go probably see her next year. I got to take the time out. She was uh, two times. She was over right by me, and I was out of uh, state traveling with my show. Mm. She was in uh, Pennsylvania, and then she was in Connecticut. Oh, what a shame. Yeah, like two weeks ago. You know what? I was going to ask you, like, so on the album, well, we mentioned it before, when it was released in America, it was only released as 10 tracks, so two songs were taken off. Yeah. Did you, what do you, do you think those, and those two songs were Please Don't Sympathize and I Don't Need Your Word. Do you think those songs, what do you think about that? Do you think they were yeah. Please Don't Sympathize was, was my least favorite of all of these songs that were recorded. 
Oh, really? Yeah, I just it's just never, uh, you know, I, I like her performance. I think, you know, I like some parts of it, but it really was just like a little boring to me. Um, and then, but I don't need your word is amazing. I love that song. Yeah, it's a, such a good ballad. And that yeah. I was, I remember it was on the B side. I think of was it, was it almost over you, Ike? B side, almost over you. Wish you here tonight was telephone. Or no? Yeah, yeah. Right. I think it was the B side of almost over you, and that's when I first heard it here. Yeah. And I was just amazed by it. You know, I knew it had to be an outtake because I saw that Christopher Neal had produced it. But, um, you know, again, that was, yeah, killer. And I would have I would have left that on. In fact, I would have left that on the album, the U.S. version. And I would have had that and Woman on the U.S. version. And I would have kept Are You Man Enough and In the Winter Off. Oh, okay. I would have put on So We Say Goodbye. Another great. No, we yeah. didn't talk about so we say. Yeah, I mean, so so we say goodbye should have been the last track on the album. Exactly right, and a good oh. closer for her tour. Yeah, and you know what? I have to say, I remember it had to be ten years ago. She did a perf- uh, few concerts in Japan, and do you know they said she did loner? What? Really? Yeah, which was so unusual. And I was waiting yeah. to see if she did it in the U.S. and she didn't, uh. but. She did loner when she was over in Japan. Wow. Yeah. I mean, the quality of the material that she was doing with Chris Neal is so high. I mean, yeah. those songs, those B-sides like loner and, um, yeah. you know, um, they're just fantastic. So we say goodbye. They're just such great songs. Yeah, they were Ooh. incredible. And it's the performance too, not, you know, the lyrics, the production, but her voice. Her performance, was, absolutely. Right? Clear. Her vocals were up front. Yeah, the uh, one of the ones we didn't talk about. Just if we've got time to quick talk about, and it was a, it was a single in some countries. It's "Ice Out in the Rain," oh, and, there, yeah. and there was a video shot for it, which is on here as well. Um, yeah. And that's an interesting one because it was re- the remix is on here. A few quite a few years later, at the end of the eighties, it was remixed for a uh, greatest hits package in Britain. It's mm-hmm. a completely different production, which really made it sound very contemporary. But that I think that's quite an interesting song. I personally think the remix vastly improved it. That's a missed opportunity right there, because that song was really modern. It was for that time. It was really good. And that video, she just looks so yeah. beautiful in that video. That was like the first video that... The, you saw that, right, Adam? The video I saw in the rain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's on it's the on, DVD, right? Yeah, the yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So that was the first time where I think they really just focused on her face, like yeah. just how beautiful she was, and they did the different lighting, and it's a uh, it's a great video. But you know, the production of it, I, I prefer the original production. I like yeah, right. the the remix as well. I think it it kind of was going after that Mike and mechanics kind of sound yeah. that was hit totally. on the radio at that time. But the original production yeah. arrangement to me, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what, again? when you mentioned Mike and the mechanics, it kind of throws me and makes me think I don't like it. anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, Chris Neal was, he was producing them. So he produced, yeah. All I need is a miracle. And like, can you hear me? The silent running song. Yeah. 
So it, there was some something about that that reminded me of that era. But the original Ice Out in the Rain production and arrangement, to me, sounded very similar to uh, Dreams by Fleetwood Mac. Oh yeah! If you listen to those songs back and back to back, there's something rhythmically that's very similar. And mm. uh, but the song is brilliant. Her performance is brilliant. I love Chris Neal. Just him and Sheena singing the chorus together with his harmony. Yeah. Um, that's what I miss off the remix. Um, yeah, is yes. hearing them blend to the, together. But great track, great, great. track. Peter Vale, the, one of the co-writers on it, said that they were going for a kind of, um, oh, you mentioned Kim Carnes earlier, Betty Davis Eyes kind of feel for that song. That's where or Gary Newman, that's where their heads are at, although the production on the original production doesn't really take it as far in that direction as the remix does. But um, it's interesting because it makes you realise how, how much the production can change. Oh, yeah. <laughs> The, the, the song. I would have, I would have picked that as the first single too. Over machinery, could have been. Yeah, that could have been. It was a polished, and the video was great. Yeah, everything yeah, the video was, was amazing. It's interesting they spent the money to shoot a quite expensive video. That was Steve Barron that did that video. Yeah, wow. who had done who later did Billie Jean. Yeah, where it was released somewhere, but do you do you remember where it was released as a single? I think it's Norway. Norway. I think it was Norway it was released. So it's like, why would you shoot a video for a song that's just released in one? Unless yeah. at one point it was being considered it was going to be, I don't know. Yeah. It must have been. It couldn't have just been for that. There must have been a change, change of plan, I guess, at some point. So, so tell us, Adam, outside of Sheena, what have you got in the works? There are a few other things in the works. Unfortunately, I can't talk about any of them at the moment because they haven't all been signed off. Ah, so what if I told you I stopped recording? <laughs> <laughs> Don't believe them. Don't believe them. Well, so they, could, they could, yeah. So they like until they're a hundred percent signed off. There's no point in me saying because something went horribly wrong and then it won't happen. Did you don't have? To, I'm only kidding. But the Weather Girls, I still love that box set. It's amazing. Oh, great! Yes, yeah, it's good. Yeah. It's very good, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. And Incredible. Beverly Craven, who I Beverly did Beverly Craven, the, yes. she's yeah. doing a show in a month or two in the uk which is quite exciting nice with another singer called um, judy zook she's doing some sh- doing a tour basically but that's exciting but yeah there will be more things i'm doing outside of the sheena but the sheena stuff is keeping me pretty busy to be honest that's well okay so tell everybody what's coming up with that then and what when can we expect you back well the next release after mad funny music will be the remastered vinyl of best kept secret Okay. Which I imagine, if it goes well, which I, which I which should come out in December. Okay. Uh, it's hard to say for sure this exact moment because, uh, as we've discussed before, the pressing plant lead times for vinyl is quite um, takes a while. But if it all goes according to plan, it'll be out in December. Okay. Yeah. And then the final box set, maybe next year or. Uh, it yeah probably yeah probably towards the end of like next year okay i would imagine because there's many there's more individual releases to come before that this is becoming the adam matera show that's right <laughs> and we love it yeah I'm wearing out my invitation no <laughs> please yeah and now record store day that's coming up again right 
April yes, of next year. Yeah, he's coming out April next year. Um, I'm not 100 sure what's happening with that at the moment. It's all a bit TBC as well. Sorry, I can't be more. Um, but you're planning something. Uh, there are plans, plans. There's constant plans. Yeah, <laughs> but um, those plans involve many people and people approving stuff and signing stuff off. So, hence why I can't really. Um, yeah. No. No. You come back in December. You tell us a little yeah, bit more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Come back. You have some tea with us. That'd be That's great. Right. Adam, thank you so much for coming on again. As always, Madness, Money, and Music released yesterday. Yesterday, yeah. Yesterday. Tell everybody where they can find it, Adam, and the CD, DVD, as well as the vinyl. Well, you should be able to get it like at Amazon and all the all those like major. It's, it's available on there. It also you can get it direct from Cherry Red Records, which is um, uh, Cherry Records, Cherry Red Records. uk, I think. Or we'll put all the links right in when it's yeah. released. Yep. Everything will be in there. Yeah. Thank you, Adam. You are amazing. I'm telling you, you make brilliant job once again, Adam. Really, you, you, you're you, you make this 21 year old boy very happy that's right you're making <laughs> sheena easton fanboys uh very happy thank yes. you yeah of course this is, my, this is this i think is the best one so far oh i agree yeah, one of my favorites so i think one the amount of extra material imagine to get hold of ev- virtually every single oh. writer for the liner notes. yeah the liner notes are just incredible i i seriously i think you just did such a great job of capturing their creative process and what it was like to be recording this really classic album. It's a, it's a classic pop album of the eighties. You know, it should be regarded as one of the best albums of the eighties. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And we want to give a shout out to all the Sheena Easton fans too, because they love when you're putting out all this stuff for them, they sent questions in. They're excited every time you come on. So we appreciate that so much. Great. Well, yeah, and, th- and thank you to everyone that's been supporting it, because, and there'll be more to come. So, yeah, thank you. Oh, well, this is where we wave goodbye. Bye, Adam. Bye.